Hi, welcome to Biz Leader. I'm Leslie Montgomery. And I'm Tim O'Chai. Today we're in conversation with Weber Lowe, City Country Officer and CEO of Citibank Hong Kong and Macau. Basically, the position is very important uh, to our global city franchise. We have been here for 113 years, and I believe we'll be here for the next 100 years. Weber has a rather interesting career trajectory. Would you believe that he started his career with a summer internship at P&G, a consumer's good company, back in 1992, at the time when P&G only hired three interns? He had then applied for the internship, not expecting to get through, seeing as he had some tough competition from students with much better grades. But after five rounds of interviews, he was able to convince P&G that he might not have the best grades, but that he had the right attitude and the spirit to succeed. Weber was able to convert that internship into a full-time opportunity after his graduation. In 1997, Weber was intrigued by China and was looking for a role that would give him an opportunity to explore the Chinese market. That's when he decided to join Coca-Cola. And then in 2000, Weber felt it was a good time to come back home to Hong Kong. He decided to switch fields and give an IT venture capital fund a try. He did not enjoy the role, quit in a few months, and then joined Citibank. In 2003, he became the marketing director of Citibank. In 2004, the retail banking head. In 2007, country business manager, consumer bank. And then in 2013, he got promoted to city country officer. Weber has seen the banking industry transform in the last 17 years. So what are the major changes he has observed in the banking industry? If you look at 1997, the Asian crisis, to I would say maybe 2003, the SARS period, mm. or to the recent one, 2008, Lehman crisis, a few themes coming up. First, um, uh, suitability of the product, mm. right? Uh, um, I think Lehman crisis is a game changer. Uh, uh, everyone need to make sure uh, the product that we are selling to the clients are suitable for their profile, right? For their risk scoring and all that. Second thing, if you look at SARS, right? Now we have positive bureau of credit card and also we have positive bureau for other asset products. That helps a lot, right? Because at that time, if the people can self-declare bankruptcy, if you don't have those information, you are shooting at the dark. And, and that actually changed a lot of personal credit products. And nowadays, I'm sure um, you all know that um, the government or the regulator are quite concerned about the property price, mm. right? And therefore, I think the recent prudential measure uh, in the property sector on mortgage, uh, with all the information from the bureau, mm. definitely helped, right? Um, if you look at along the line, of course, AML, the anti-money laundering, uh, is the key focus around the world. And privacy, uh, data privacy, I think is also very important. And so I think if the in the last few or 10 years, not only Hong Kong, I think around the world, uh, basically, um, the theme are more or less the same by making sure that we treat the customer fairly, mm -hmm. we sell the right product, making sure that we disclose enough information, and make sure that the customer understand what they have bought. And on the other hand, make sure that the customer can afford mm -hmm. if they borrow money, and also making sure that 
the product that we sell is not too complicated, which the customer may not understand. So according to this, Weber used to be the head of retail banking in 2004, but he got out in 07 and became country business manager of the consumer bank. And I mean, that's pretty good timing because do you remember 2008? Yeah, that was huge. Right. It was the onset of the global financial crisis. And I mean, while there was a lot of about bad blood brewing over on Wall Street in New York, Hong Kong was not immune to these things. And I think the most prominent issue tied to the GFC over here, global financial crisis, was something called Lehman Brothers mini bonds. I mean, not to single out Lehman's in particular, but basically these were pretty sophisticated, pretty exotic financial products that were being sold to retail investors. And I mean, one of the problems with this is it was marketed as a bond. I mean, bond is, if you know your asset classes, bonds are pretty vanilla. You know, you could trade your bonds, you could trade commodities, equities, but they were selling some pretty, pretty exotic stuff. Now, picture this. Basically, since the year 2000, where do all the rocket scientists go? NASA's not really hiring. And I mean, there are only so many things you could do theoretically with like a statistics degree. But the people with really high level statisticians, essentially rocket scientists, a lot of them got picked up by the banks and they started to develop these uh, different kinds of very, very exotic products tying together things like equities, commodities, FX, and derivatives. And I mean, this is where things really went beyond the understanding of your retail everyday investor. So, so basically you had mom and pops being sold these outlandishly complicated products. And somewhere along the way, there was allegations of mis-selling, misinterpretation, mispresentation. It, it led to a pretty big blowback from the public. And so the government took an unprecedented step. Now, Hong Kong's government is pretty laissez-faire when it comes to financial products, but they basically have outlawed things like structured products for retail investors. Anything that's, you know, has a derivative basis in it or a derivative component in it. Um, has pretty much, it's, it's not available to retail investors anymore. You have to sign a paper now that says that you're a seasoned investor, you've traded for this many years before they even let you come close to touching those things. Now, institutions still have access to it, but for the retail investor, structured products are all but off the table. I think everyone needs to make sure the quality of credit uh, will not be deteriorated significantly, right? Especially if you look at the industry, last four or five years, since the crisis, the loan growth in the industry was quite high. And the loan growth to mainland Chinese exposure, even higher. So that means a lot of loans which we lend to are the subsidiary of the Chinese call. Right? Of course, if China slow down, okay, and not, not hard lending, soft lending, then should not be a problem. But if the slowdown is much faster than the people expect, you may expect some of the credit uh, will be further deteriorated. And this is, I think, the first and foremost every bankers in Hong Kong need to pay attention to. No, I think, I think overall in city we always keep our underwriting standard very high. Uh, our target market is not going into a very low tier. So what we lend to are the very reputable and big corp uh, in China, or big FI, or multinational companies in China, and all those. So I, I'm not too worried about this, but I can tell you that the industry are quite worried about the quality of the credit. 
So I think this is one. Second, I think we also need to make sure we pay attention to our uh, FX exposure, mm. right? In the last 10 years, renminbi basically is one direction until I think recently, right? And, and if the depreciation trend continue, uh, some of the contract which the customer has bought may be in trouble, right? Because some of those hedging or some of those forward they have bought recently or a few months ago, if they basically, the currency continue to depreciate, the loss will be quite significant. And therefore, they need to have enough cash flow to cover those. Right? So I think this is something every bank needs to look at their portfolio and handhold the client because the client may have short-term difficulties. That's fine. We will handle the client together. But if the exposure is too much and we need to find a way to, to have a solution. The space for banks in Asia, especially in Hong Kong, has changed quite a bit. Before, they used to do all sorts of things like retail banking, for example. Um, but increasingly, it's focused on private banking. And I mean, some banks are better suited than others. Um, Credit Suisse just came out with their um, results a few weeks ago. And basically, it's, it's pretty telling. They shift almost all their income now. New income is coming from private bank, whereas traditional areas such as um, retail banking, it's just, it's not spicy enough anymore. So City, you know, it's, it's a foreign company. It's from the U.S. Um, but increasingly, they're also targeting the middle market, middle class and they're steadily increasing their market share. And this is happening at a time when banks such as like HSBC are kind of clawing back, especially in international, not so much in Hong Kong. Um, but I mean, you know, service disruptions in, in Canada, at least I've been able to notice. Yeah, Citibank is biggest in the Americas. So North America and South America generating 51% of revenues. But they also have a big presence in Asia with 20%. And Europe, the Middle East, and Africa are just a small percentage, around 4%. Um, but their online division is one of the most successful with about 15 million users. When China opened up, right, the first stop or the first play will get the benefit is Hong Kong. Right, because if you look at the role what we have done on the renminbi internationalization, uh, Hong Kong, I think, has done the role quite well. Uh, since 2004, when we launched CNH in Hong Kong, now I think the balance already, the deposit balance already close to a trillion, right? Um, and now the the trade uh, denominated into renminbi actually of China already account for 26, 27 percent already. Right, so I think if you look at the 10 or 11 years history, uh, it's extraordinary, right? So renminbi internationalization definitely provide a lot of opportunities for the banks in Hong Kong, which we can provide depth and breadth of products. Uh, we have experience to, to, to develop some products for corporate clients and also for the consumers. Um, we can also provide a lot of varieties of investment vehicle for, for Chinese clients in mainland, which they need to diversify uh, their, their investment into other currency, especially recently when renminbi depreciate a little bit. A lot of corporate or personal clients, they need to diversify. And, and they don't, don't need to go to U.S. because 
Hong Kong dollar is packed with US dollar. They can easily invest in Hong Kong and diversify their portfolio. So I think from an asset management perspective, from a cross-border trading perspective, from a wealth management perspective, I think we have a lot of opportunities. And that's why the recent uh, government announcement on StockConnect, on mutual funds recognitions, um, hopefully the Shenzhen StockConnect will come soon, and, and uh, RQV, QD, RQD, there's a lot of things going on. So I truly believe that when China open up, and because the market is so huge, and we will get a lot more benefit when China open up, rather than worry about we are being marginalized or losing to China. We now is the one of the best capitalized bank uh, with our tier one uh, capital ratio at 11.6%. Uh, in the last quarter, second quarter of 2015, which is significantly increased compared to the same period of 10.6% last year, same period. So I would say after the crisis, the bank now can, can say we are smaller, but safer and stronger. So I think, I think after all the, the crisis, the bank now would like to be more focused on some of the area or some of the countries which can provide growth, right? And Hong Kong definitely is one of the country or the city they would like to invest on. Um, overall emerging market or Asia Pacific GDP, uh, although slowing down compared to the past, but uh, still five to 6% growth GDP compared to all the developed country, which is at one to 2%. So I think overall, even though Hong Kong is a developed market out of the overall emerging Asia markets, we are still enjoying about 2 to 3% GDP growth uh, consistently year after year. There are something like 170 licensed banks in Hong Kong. And out of the top 100 global banks, about 80% of them have a presence here in the city which makes a lot of sense given Hong Kong is Asia's financial center. Citibank also has an educational program where they go into universities, secondary, primary schools to help uh, or to teach good spending techniques, saving habits um, to these young kids and college students. They just started that actually where I went to high school back in Canada and I think they're doing it with kids as young as 15. I mean, you can go lower, but I mean, eventually you just like, you know, You've got like gold coin puppets and the funny thing about this is I could just imagine a generation of kids going back to home from school and like criticizing their mom or dad for spending too much money according to what they learned in class. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting they do that because in Hong Kong, about 50% of, of people will spend, you know, half of their salary yeah. with their credit card. Yeah, I know, yeah. No, I mean, it's it seems to be part of, like, late-stage capitalism. Yeah. Like, your parents I mean, make all the money, and then you end up living off your credit card. And yeah. it kind of sucks. If you ever get out of it, that's great. Otherwise, you're basically a slave to that debt. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if you guys live here in Hong Kong, but the amount of debt refinancing commercials on during the daytime as well. Or even like online, you got pop-ups. It's all for consolidating your debt because you know I guess enough people have like a dozen different credit cards. They yeah. get a new credit card to pay off the old one. 
If you don't have the money, don't spend it. Unless yeah, you're buying a house a or a car. <laughs> Unless you're buying a house or a car. Or land. Weber believes in enabling and energizing his team. There are many seniors in the bank who are not very old, but they are very high performing. That has led them to success. Skill can be changed and learn. But attitude sometimes is very difficult to train. So that's why we would love to buy attitude rather than skill. We love someone have a very positive view, can do attitude. Even though you may not have full experience, if you have that kind of attitude and basically want to learn things, and these are those people that we are looking for. Right? So uh, easy to say than do, right? Um, and we always want to recruit someone they want to keep learning. They always want to do something out of the box. Because if you look at our core value of the bank, right? We always want to have a common purpose. Common purpose means I don't care where, which department you're working in, but we have a common objective. We want to work together to achieve things. The second core value, ingenuity. We want the ideas, we want innovation, we want someone think out of the box. right? And the third one we talk about is the responsible finance. If you, if you think about what we are doing every day, right? You have to be responsible. You have to deliver a good solution to a client and making sure that those products, you are not offering them because you can earn the revenue, but also you can help the clients. The last one, of course, the leadership, mm -hmm. making sure we, we are leading the pack and doing the right thing and leading the industry and keep doing what we are doing. Your career is owned by yourself, not by the company. Yes, someone will give you opportunities, someone will take risks on you, but you have to step your first step first. You have to step out and tell the people that I want to do this. I don't mind to do extra work and extra miles to help the others. right? And you have to tell what is your aspiration. You have to tell the people that Okay, I don't mind. I want to work on something new. Because a lot of people love to work in their own comfort zone. Right? They don't want to take risks. So if you want someone to take risks on you, you have to take risks on yourself first. Right? So I think it's a mutual kind of relationship. Right? So, so my suggestion to a lot of folks, no matter where you join, no matter which department you join, if you want to be successful, you have to own your career. You have to take risks on yourself. You have to walk outside your comfort zone. You have to help the others more. And you have to express your view. That's a wrap on today's episode of Biz Leader. Listen to us on iTunes, Shimalaya, or Stitcher if you use Android. For more information, check out bizleaderpodcast.com or find us on Facebook. See you next week on Biz Leader.